Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Austin Land. Separates the casual Jane Austen fan. Oh, Janie, it's gotten so much worse. From the aficionado. The number of times she's read Austen's novels, or her consuming love for Mr. Darcy. This is the best part. Unbelievable. She finds her way here to the world's only immersive Austen experience. You're going to the Darcy place too? Yes. I memorized the first three chapters of Pride and Prejudice when I was 13. <laughs> What's that? Welcome to the Regency era. Look at those. I expect my guests to eschew all things modern. May I present Miss Jane Erstwhile, an orphan of no fortune. Oh. Uh, oh. You have paid for the basic copper package. You're in the servant's wing. You're in the creepy tower. I'm so mad I wasted all my money. Oh, look. It's one of those Mr. Darcy guys. I hear there was a ball on our last night. Do you enjoy dancing? Not particularly. You have been unlucky in love. I am single because apparently the only good men are fictional. What do you guys think of that girl, Jane? She's a bit peculiar. You try to catch her eye. Hallie ho, a hunting we will go! Kind of a mess, aren't I? She's I'm going to take charge of my story. An Austin heroine gets engaged by the end of the book. That is what I am going to do. I'm really into you. You want to get out of here? What's that song? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Jennifer Vineyard from Vulture, and tonight's guests, Carrie Russell, Stephanie Meyer, Jerusha Hess, and JJ Field. So you saw the trailer. I'm assuming that some of you here may have read Austin Land, the book. And I was wondering if we could get a show of hands so I'd know how familiar you guys are or not with that. No hands, one hand, two hands. Okay. So. The first thing you need to know is that this is from a book by Shannon Hale, who actually is a friend of Stephanie Meyer. So she's going to explain a little bit how that came to be, but you probably got a sense of the plot from this a little bit. There is a kind of vacation where you can go and be immersed in the world of Jane Austen, which I think is really awesome, being a Jane Austen fan. So you dress like them. You saw that. You have to dress in Regency era garb, talk in that particular way, have that proper etiquette, and maybe get a little romance on the side. So a lot of romance for some people, a lot. So Stephanie, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you bonded with Shannon and what you saw in the book prior to it even becoming an idea for a movie. Um, well, I was friends with Shannon before that. She wrote to me um, after my first book was published and said, hey, uh, I'm Mormon, I write books, I'm a mom, I'm a girl, we have so much in common. And, and we did, we, we hit it right off and uh, years later she gave me Austin Land. It was her first adult novel that she'd written and she wanted some feedback. And my feedback was, it's really awesome and I, I just would love to see it as a movie, it'd be so great. And we kind of kidded around about 10 years getting a camcorder and doing it ourselves. Um, 
Yeah, we were really practical. <laughs> and then Jerusha Hess uh, wanted to do one of her books too, and that's kind of where I'll let Jerusha tell the rest because she was there. Uh, yeah, I met Shannon and I was interested in a different novel of hers and she gave me Austin Land and I read it in a night and I thought it was so fun and silly and, and light and the perfect vehicle for my first film. Did you know that Shannon had made up a dream cast list of who she thought could be in the film and that she actually wanted Jennifer Coolidge as Miss Charming? Jennifer Coolidge was Miss Charming in the novel. Like, that's who she was thinking of. I, I don't think many, I know a lot of scripts are written with an actor in mind. I'm not sure how many books are. So that was, it was, we were really lucky we got her. <laughs> well, can you talk a little bit about the casting process and how you picked Carrie for your Jane? It felt very much like I, I was just calling up friends and saying, hey, will you be in my movie? Please, please, please. And Carrie, I didn't know her, but she had seen a script previously and she liked it when it was really bad. And so... Um, She's that, a girl. <laughs> she believed that it was going to be great at one time. Uh, and it was great. She was just ready to do it. And she's so beautiful. And she really like embodies that girl next door. I know she's like way too pretty to be that. But, but I could see that we could, we could get that out of her. And she, um, you know, I just really love you, Carrie. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> and she just was, she was great. She's played this earnest kind of dorky character so well. But there was one glitch, though, she told you. Oh, when yeah, you asked her to do the part, she responded. She was, I'm pregnant. I'm four months pregnant. And uh, she was going to be six months by the end. So, you know, that just means, like, better breasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's, like, good breasts throughout the movie. That's one of the keys. It's a theme. This is why this is not just a chick flick, right? Exactly. And, JJ, you actually had done a Jane Austen movie for television prior to this, so you may be one of the biggest Jane Austen fans on the panel? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, I, as an English actor, it's sort of a box you, you hope to tick to be a, an Austen man. Uh, and, uh, but um, Jerusha just wanted me to make fun of myself and make fun of any performance <laughs> I've ever done before. So uh, I, I don't know whether that was a compliment or an insult to my last performance. Well, you played Mr. Nobly who is our kind of Mr. Darcy type character. And those of you, I'm assuming, have read Pride and Prejudice and know Mr. Darcy, you know, Colin Firth is Mr. Darcy, yes. I'm seeing some nods of recognition, I hope. Okay. The Elizabeth Bennet, Mr. Darcy relationship is a classic. May have inspired many other characters in fiction, including some in Twilight. Well, I mean, it definitely, in, at a very young age, informed my idea of the ideal man. Um, but I was telling you backstage, yeah. um, Edward Rochester is actually a lot more of a pattern, although I love Mr. Darcy. Well, Edward, you can see a little influence there. But are you Team Willoughby or Team Brandon? Are you kidding? Team Brandon, Alan Rickman, I mean. Because <laughs> I was just wondering, because I mean, the, the Janeites, the obsessive Jane fans actually have those types of teams for all the characters, and it may have preceded the Team Edward, Team Jacob debates. For a couple hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Considering it's the 200th anniversary of Pride and Prejudice this year, which is perfect timing on your part, Jerusha. Were you planning for that? I did it all this? on purpose. I also okay. influenced the note having Jane Austen on it. Um, there's a, a sculpture of Colin Firth in the Serpentine. That also is all me. You're so powerful. I'm just very lucky. <laughs> so how much room for improv did you have with this? Because sometimes on, a, on an indie film there isn't a lot of time or a lot of room for that. But apparently some people like Brett McKenzie and Jennifer Coolidge, that's their style. So 
Yeah, I just let them. I just let them go for it. We had a nice cushy shoe, and it was uh, it was due to Carrie's pregnancy that we had so much time. I think we had to make sure she could rest. I don't think she rested once, but I sure did. And we, um, you know, Jennifer, fifty percent of her lines are are improv, and she's a brilliant human. And Brett and James Callis and Georgia King, they all just brought their serious funny game. You are sitting here in front of the very straight players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're they were not allowed to vary anything. <laughs> yeah. Were there any moments that you improved? Yes, no? there was. Come on. No, no, really. I mean, in a way, I felt safe being the person you're sort of watching the movie through. And, you know, we were working with such great comedians that I just kind of wanted to hang on for dear life and, and not mess up their scene by laughing so hard. Yeah, but Jennifer and James especially, I mean, they, you just, I, the scene starts somewhere and you, you're like, where is this going now? And you're just hanging on. <laughs> just hanging on, hoping to not laugh. Well, you guys had a, a kind of unusual strategy with this film in which you marketed it more towards women and kind of had girls only parties. Where did that idea come from, and what would you say the reception is to that? And does that mean that guys aren't allowed to come see this film? I would think not. I mean, considering the amount of guys in the cast, right? So there's been a perception that it's a guy, guys should stay away, but you can dispel that, right? Well, I mean, it's not. I mean, we did. None of us sitting here are on the marketing team. Okay. Um, Sony Picture Classics are the ones who are you know distributing the film, and so they they've come up with this, and they are the marketing geniuses. We just make movies. We don't have to sell them, so we're really happy that's someone else's job. But I hope boys can come in because I know JJ's been in there, and no one's gotten mad at him yet. Well, I you know uh, of all the uh, screenings we've had, and, and I've I've invited. Uh, my female friends and they brought their husbands and boyfriends. It's that the husbands and boyfriends have had just as much fun. And and uh, although Jane Austen is perceived as a female theme, the humour is not necessarily just female. It's you know, Zhuzhe Hess comes from the likes of Napoleon Dynamite and Gentleman Broncos, and those are, are universally funny. Uh, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge and Kerry Russell and Georgia King, uh, fantastic eye candy for us men to go watch. Do you guys want to see a clip from the film? Stand with the natives. <laughs> I think this is where we're supposed to wait, right? You're going to the Darcy place too? Yes. I memorized the first three chapters of Pride and Prejudice when I was 13. <laughs> What's that? Oh. Um, so why, why are you going to this place? Because I'm going to look great in those wench gowns. And she does. She does look great in those wench gowns. But why do you think it is that Jane Austen is the one that we're having this moment with culturally versus, say, Thomas Hardy or George Eliot or any other 18th century novelist? Why Jane Austen? She has the happy ending. Yeah? You know, she's, the, she's the archetypal rom-com. And uh, uh, she's universally loved by everybody. And um, I think that, uh, who was it? It was Jennifer was saying that what's great about Jane Austen is it's the loud, outspoken woman who gets the guy. Uh, so in that way, maybe it it sustains a sort of an appeal to the modern woman and not just the women gone past. What do you think about the state of romantic comedy in film right now or lately? Go ahead. Um, it's, uh, I, I mean, you think that you have like a, an audience always because we all go see them, 
but but I think we're kind of depressed after we see him, and there there's there less of the comedy and more of the dramedy or something. So um, I don't know. We just push the comedy in this, as, as Stephanie's called it, a a, a com rom. <laughs> well, that's a good one for it. I mean, I think when Shaun of the Dead came out, they called it a zom rom com. So you know, you can mash up those words any any way you want. Now there's a sequel to the book Austinland. Midnight in Austinland, which I'm sure you're familiar with. You're nodding yes. No? Yes? Oh, no, I'm familiar. Okay. It's, an, it's, an, it's dedicated to Stephanie and myself. No. <laughs> I have to read it when they do that. <laughs> it, it's, it's an adult version. It's midnight at Austinland. It's, it's like it's, it's, you go to Austinland, it's like a horror, a horror camp. No. It's spooky. No, is it? It's a murder mystery kind of feel to it. It's, this first one was patterned after Pride and Prejudice, and the second one is Northanger Abbey, where the girl's imagination gets a little bit ahead of herself. Um, it's actually my favorite of the two. It's, it's really, really fun. You should read it. It's really good. Does that mean if this film does well, that could be the sequel? Yeah, if this film does really well. So if everyone goes to see this movie, then we could do that. Otherwise, I don't know that that would happen. <laughs> well, there are two characters that would continue from that one to this. Colonel Andrews. And Miss Charming. And so. Mrs. Waddlesbrook. Oh, and never forget Jane Seymour. Of course not. Sorry about that. So we've been fired, Gary. You found happiness. So you don't get to be in the stories anymore. Yeah, good. Or maybe you can make a cameo. <laughs> well, Colonel Andrews was one of the characters that it's very, it's very quick in the movie in a way, but there's some reference to him not being one of the usual characters in this kind of story. <laughs> And you got a little bit of flack earlier about the story being so heteronormative that I thought that maybe you'd want to help clarify that there is a gay character in the story. Oh, yeah, he was having fun upstairs in the servants' quarters the entire time. It's, it's a subtle reference, but if you watch it, you'll, you'll get it, knowing that. I don't know if I would call it, like, hugely subtle. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> James isn't super subtle about it, right? I don't think there's anything subtle about it. Yeah. Do we want to see another clip? Target practice? Is that the next one? Okay. I've never shot a hunting rifle before. Now, the whole thing with the gun, darling, is that you have to cock it. Just hold the barrel, and then gently pull the trigger. You were fired a loaded weapon before. Actually, I think you might be quite impressed by my Big cock. skills. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Just a little closer there. Oh, yeah, I think I get the basics. Ready, ladies? Thanks down range. Load. Beatles. Make ready. And pull. Fly my eye. Oh, my. Yes, yeah. erstwhile. What a talented little nut you are. Yeah. I guess I get the basics of it. So that's like one of the activities that you could have. At, uh, if you had a real life Austin land, Shooting. that could be one of the activities. I mean, why isn't there a real life Austin land at this point? It's a horrible business model. If you watch the movie, you'll see. <laughs> she spends her entire life savings and gets like the copper package, which is she's crapped on the whole time. <laughs> no one would ever return. No. Well, but what if it weren't so expensive? 
No, I, it seems absolutely doable to me. I, I think, I absolutely, I can see people doing that. Groups of girlfriends going to go do it. Absolutely. Would you do that, Stephanie? Sure. I mean, if it was available. But actually, while we were filming this, I happened to meet someone who does fantasy vacations, um, his business does for a living. And so I kind of, you know, just did a just ballpark it. It would be exorbitantly expensive to run. You could not do this with the costumes and the actors and renting out a manor or whatnot. Um, so, you know, you'd, ha you'd have to hawk your tercel. There really wouldn't. There's not another option, unfortunately. At the premiere in L.A., uh, as we as we came down the carpet and and just as we entered the cinema, there was a group of women dressed up in Austin costume. And I thought that the uh, clever marketing people at Sony had, had added these for, uh, you know, Phil. And I thought, went over, hey, you know, put my arm around them. No, they were Austin fans. The real Los Angeles Austin society. There are a lot of them dotted around the world. I think there's lots of mini Austin lands and people's living rooms all well, over. There's the Jane Austen Society of North America, and they actually have conferences and Regency balls and things a little like this. Oh, okay. Not quite to the scale. I don't think you can go shooting, and I don't think a guy's going to romance you. It's a lawsuit. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we see the third clip about why Jane is still single? Perhaps I don't find the conversation of women to be Oh, I just can't imagine why you're still single. Don't say ring on your finger. Nobly. No, 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 it's all right. I, I asked for it. I am single because apparently the only good men are fictional. <laughs> oh, you think that there's any good women out there? Yeah, no, 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 no. They, they profess honesty and fidelity. And then while you're away lecturing in Switzerland, they run off to Brazil with your mate. Get on with the game, you old windbag. Even when she's not in shot, Jennifer Coolidge is present in every part of this film. <laughs> well, hopefully that gives you guys a taste of what Austin Land is like and makes you want to go out and see it this Friday. Yeah. Right? Now, Carrie and I had talked about this a little yesterday, but she was dying for me to tell you about Jane Austen Fight Club. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Is it a real thing or is it a video? It's a video. Oh, I have seen oh. it. I have seen it, and I've, I've participated in my own way. What happens in it? I haven't seen it. Well, have you seen Brad Pitt's Fight Club? Yeah. Imagine them doing that, but dressed like this. Is it women fighting because each other or men fighting each other? You see the girls. It's like women. my movie. They're bored to death, like sewing all day, and they're like, what are we doing? And then the next thing you know, they drop the, they drop the embroidery needles. Yeah, and the, the lady's like, is that your blood? And she's like, it's some of it. Like as she's dripping it on her lace and, it, and they show up with bruises and they're like fighting. It's amazing. But in that Regency era speak and clothes and their bonnets, they're like punching each other. It's hilarious. There's a lot of Jane Austen stuff out there for, if, if fans are interested, including this. So check this out. Thank you guys for coming. And I think we're going to be opening up questions to the audience, right? This question is for Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Uh, big fan of August Rush. Love that movie. What was your experience like in, in making the movie, and what was Freddie Highmore like from your point of view? What, what was the last part? What was Freddie Highmore like from your point of view? Oh, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I loved making that movie, August Rush. Thanks so much. And um, Freddie uh, in that movie was so young and so talented and so kind. And, you know, it's a, it's a tricky... 
um, it's a tricky business for a, a young kid. And he just, aww. And he was so graceful and and he's working now. He's doing some dark he's TV show. show yeah. Called, um, Bates Motel. Yeah. He's playing the young Norman Bates prior to yes. being the psycho killer that we know and love. He was a dream. He was so talented and so gracious and smart, and I loved him. So it was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you, were, you know, were, you know, you were very colorful costumes. Did you enjoy, you know, all you know, colorful costumes like that? Uh, I think uh, uh, as an actor, t to get any costume that is uh, away from your normal really helps getting you into a character and into a performance. Uh, uh, believe me, those costumes pinch in places that normal clothes don't pinch, and they mean you can't sit like this. You, you, you actually physically can't sit any other way than this. So there's an immediate feel that takes you out of what you're used to, and I, I love that at the beginning of the day to jump into a different world. And for your Mormon sentiments, he looked very much like Joseph Smith. <laughs> what did I think about the costumes? Um, I, no, I, I agree with JJ. Um, you know, I, there were many times <laughs> when I know we were making a comedy, but once you put on those corsets and the petticoats and you're walking in the hills, absolutely, for sure, Jennifer Coolidge and I thought we were Kira Knightley in Atonement. <laughs> like we were like dun, 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 doing the whole thing, and like <laughs> we're making our movie. So yes, I, 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 it absolutely informs your character, and it's fun, you know. Hi, Stephanie. Um, this is a question about uh, if we're expecting any other productions coming from you. Um, anything, any you know, books, anything else coming that we're you know your fans should be waiting for. Well, we've got two um, novels that we are have in production right now. One of them is further along. It's called Down a Dark Hall. It was by Lois Duncan. Um, it's something I read when I was very, very young, um, and I, I kind of grew up with her novels. She was one of the really early young adult fiction writers. Um, and then uh, down, uh, after that, we have Anna Dressed in Blood, which is not as far as long. It's also a teenage ghost story. We didn't do that on purpose, and I'm glad we did Austin Land first so we're not like pigeonholing ourselves because we don't intend to do only YA horror, but um, so that's, that's what we're, we have coming up next. Hi, question for JJ. You touched on this briefly before, but could you talk a little bit more about your experience between doing kind of serious Austin period piece and then also kind of uh, fictionalizing it? Well, it's all fiction, but humorous side and more contemporary Austin. Uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, um, uh, doing a serious Austin in England is is there's a, a hell of a lot of pressure. You know, uh, no one is going to live up to Colin Firth, so you put that out to the to the sides, um, and you do as much research as you can. Uh, three years of drama school, we had all of those classes, those etiquette classes. I think we got a we got a post-it note with a couple of ones for Austin Land. I don't know how you lasted three years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when you come to Austin Land, you're you're asked to throw the whole lot out the window. Um, and um, uh, approaching it as a comedy, you know, I was a straight guy in it, so uh, um, I, I think I've got one improvised line in the whole film, which is to Brett McKenzie at the end, when I, uh, 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 I'm have, he's an actor, the character's an actor, and, and, I, and I have a little dig at him for not getting a job in The Hobbit. And uh, uh, it's, the, it's the greatest compliment I could have ever had that Jerusha left that in the film. 
So that was my one comic moment. Uh, uh, but basically, you just stand around the great improvisers, as has been said, of Jennifer Coolidge and James Callis and Georgia King and try really hard not to laugh. That my job is to, to stay straight. And uh, I have scars on the inside of my mouth from biting my cheek trying to do so. Hi, this question is for Jerusha. Um, I was an English major and a children's literature major, so I know Shane and Tails books really well. I think you should do Princess Academy as your next movie. Well, I want you to know I approached her about Princess Academy first, and she said no. And then she gave me Austin Land, but she's changed her mind. And so if I can make like the goats in that story funny, I'm going to do it. Oh, good. And um, I want to tell Carrie that um, I love you ever since MMC, so I've been a fan of yours. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Hi. Um, in the movie, Jane says that the best men are fictional men. Who are your fictional crushes at JJ as well? Oh, God. Uh, I, uh, someone asked me that um, uh, yesterday, and, it, and I, I accidentally said... Well, I said, you know, when I was young, it was Princess Leia, and they said, why? And I said, because of those amazing buns. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and one of my representatives sent me an email of my quote from the premiere last night was, I've been looking for Leia's buns ever since. <laughs> uh, uh, so I guess as a kid, it was, it was Princess Leia. Because she's, she's quite Jane, she's very Austin-esque. She's a very outspoken woman, you know, who doesn't take any shit from men. Absolutely. Um, I mean, all of the Austin guys, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of really obvious ones. And so I'll go with one that was, is not. Um, I was a huge Anne McCaffrey fan. So, Flar, those of you who have read Dragonflight will know why I'm saying his name. He's awesome. Um, I, you know, I've, I'm a real sucker for Patrick Swayze and Dirty Dancing. I'm not going to lie. I'm also a real sucker for Val Kilmer and anything he does. I loved him as Mad Mardigan. No literature there, guys. <laughs> Every time you say Patrick Swayze, I love it. Every time. <laughs> it's the best. Um, oh, um, I don't have a good answer. A literary... Um, ooh. So I'm going to say my answer from yesterday, too, which is any like sort of cowboy, like more Sam Elliott-type character I would, I would choose. Hi, I was wondering when working on the film, how you kind of balance embracing the Austin fans while also poking fun at them? Because it's, you can't make a movie that's all Mansfield Park jokes, but you also don't want it to all be wet shirt Darcy jokes. Yeah, we definitely were, were careful because you know, our target market are the J Knights. We wanted to make sure they loved this movie and at least that they would go once and then talk about it behind our backs. But um, it, it was a line that we had to toe the whole time. And so uh, it's a movie for the, the crazy fans and it's a movie for the people who think those fans are funny. And you just, we, we learned how to do it right and then we stripped it away and did it wrong. And, um, but there's still, you know, bosoms heaving left and right. <laughs> so I think. I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's, we picked that fandom um, because that's what the, the story was. But honestly, um, 
this movie could be about any group of like really overexcited fans. Any anybody who dresses up for Comic Con has some place that they would go and do this. Yeah. And you could make the movie about them too. And so this is just the one that was in the novel that spoke to us, but it's more about the joke of fandom than the joke of Janeites. It's just yeah. fandom in general. Stephanie knows a lot about that. <laughs> um, as storytellers and artists, I'm sure you know all your projects, there's something that you can relate to or connect to before you, know, you choose and everything. So what qualities do you look for in the projects that you take on? Why are you looking at me? Um, uh, uh, I, I'm attracted by doing something different to what I did last time. I know that I've done Austin, and this is another Austin, but this is a completely different look at Austin. Um, uh, I, I think that uh, for me as, a, as an actor, the oldest form of art and, and education is storytelling. So I ultimately look at the story underneath it and how the character which I've been asked to do is involved in that story. So uh, I try to find a story that moves me, ultimately. I, I am drawn to things that make me feel. You know, if it's a clever story and I'm like, oh, that's, that's smart and that's fun, I'm not as drawn to it as if it makes you feel something. And if it's a world that I want to go spend time in, I mean, I do not have my bedroom decorated to celebrate Jane Austen, but if there was an Austen land, I would go there. Like, you know, Jane is a, a little bit of me. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not as lonely. I have I found I found my non-Darcy that I live with, and he's fantastic. Um, but you know that fangirl is definitely inside of me, and so when I read it, I recognized that it made me feel like this is a world I want to I want to see. Um, you know, my husband and I have made a lot of weird movies, and we ping pong from uh, really really personal films, Napoleon Dynamite was just autobiographical, to really concept films like Nacho Libre, which was just you know a big world that we didn't know about. And then we went back to Gentleman Broncos, very personal family stories, and now to this big concept movie. And so I think the next thing will be you know a tale about you know raising dorky kids, or I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but we just switch back and forth. And and I think the through line between all our, our films is that we like the we like an awkward character who wins in the end. Um, uh, I, I would say, you know, similar to what Stephanie said, I just want, I, I just want to, when I read it, I want it to read like a good book. I want to feel something, um, regardless of my size in the story. I just want to be a part of a good story. But you know, also once you start having kids and families, the, your priorities change, and it's like, well, can that fit into the few months that the kid's not in school, or that you know? So uh, can we go to that location? Is that going to be okay for the whole family? So there, um, my decisions get a little bit more complicated now. But um, it's usually, and this just seemed fun. And I was intrigued by Jerusha's take on a story like this. And, uh, but it's different every time. I don't have any set way to do it exactly. Great question. Oh, I think that wraps it up. That's all we have the time for. I'm sure there's more questions. We would love to ask them. I have more questions I'd love to ask based on what you just said, but we're out of time. Thank you guys for coming and seeing a little bit of Austin land. <laughs>